Angel was in the midst of a dark and powerful storm in her life. Her marriage was crumbling before her eyes. She felt her husband did not love her, hear her, appreciate her contributions to the marriage, or make her a priority whatsoever. Along with the misery of her marriage, she was facing significant difficulty adjusting to her transition to retirement after serving 27 years with the fire department. No matter time of day or what activity she was doing, Angel had negative thoughts running through her mind. These thoughts caused great doubt, doubt of what she believed, why she was here, and even doubting who she was. Quickly, these thoughts led to her feeling depressed, anxious, angry, and fearful all the time. The mental and emotional pain she was experiencing led to physical pain. Her stress had caused such muscle tension in her back and neck, it felt like pliers were squeezing her spinal nerves with a vengeance. When her husband tried to help her, she would push him away because she was convinced he didn't love her or care about her, and he must have an ulterior motive in wanting to help. All the emotional, mental, and physical pain coupled with her sense of being alone, led her to great despair. She thought to herself, I should end this so-called life and end my pain. I would be better off. My husband would be better off. And so would everybody else. She could not believe she had just thought suicide was the answer. Who am I? Tears began to stream down her face when out of desperation she cried out to God. Why are you allowing this to happen to me? I know I have not been going to church, reading my Bible, or really even praying, but I believe you hear me and I need your help. With tears rolling and body trembling, she experienced something she had not in quite some time. Peace. This sense of peace came on by no words of her, no positive self-talk or deep meditation. She knew it was God's presence, his Holy Spirit, holding her. Hope began to rise in her, and though she did not know how, she knew he was going to get her out of the storm. The following day, Angel received a phone call from Matt, one of her longtime friends from the fire department. Matt knew how difficult the transition process can be since he had retired a year prior and was just calling to check on his friend. Angel shared some of the challenges she was having, but certainly not all of them. Recognizing the pain in Angel's voice, he prayed for her over the phone and extended an invitation to her and her husband to attend service at his church on Sunday. She was eager to attend, and though a bit reluctant, her husband came too. God had a special message prepared for Angel, and I think he has one for you too. This is the message Angel heard. Heavenly Father, right now we ask that your Holy Spirit manifest himself in full effect in this house. Your children have gathered together to hear your words, not my words. I pray that you use me as an instrument to work through me to tell someone, at least one person out here, what they need to hear. I believe in, in everything that is within me, that this is a righteous prayer and that we come together in unison on this. And I look forward to hear just how you speak to your children today and from this day forward. We praise you and thank you in your son, Jesus' name, amen.
Good morning. This morning we continue our series, Who Am I? I have found in life this question often arises when we come to a crossroads in our life. A lot of times when there's the decision, do I go this way? Do I go that way? And oftentimes this crossroads is coupled with another crisis in our life. Identity crisis often happens with adolescents that are stepping into adulthood, trying to really come to grips with who they are. For someone that maybe served many years in the military, many years as a firefighter, as an attorney, whatever your calling was out there in serving, that becomes so much of who we are that when we walk away from it, we start to question, who am I? I'm a soldier. I'm a Marine. I'm a firefighter. Who am I? When I thought of this question of who I am, and if I were to walk on the street and ask someone, who am I? They would say, you're Brian Hughes. They would say I'm Brian Hughes because they know my parents. They know my name. See, when we ask, who am I? I think we need to start with, whose am I? I'd like you to please go to your Bible. Galatians 3.26, it'll be on the screen. Let's put this question to rest once and for all. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. You are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. That is truth. Pure and simple truth. We are children of the living God. And we are his children because we are Jesus's. Because we have faith in what he did on Calvary. That he's the only begotten son of God. And he took on our sins and the sins of all the world. And because of that faith in him, we are children of the powerful living God. As children of God, we are offered promises. We are heirs along with him. Just like a son who is an heir to his father that leaves things along with him. Sometimes that means that, that to heir, to take in, uh, you know, to receive that is we leave off where he was at. So part of our mission here, make no mistake, in huge mission is to leave where Jesus left off. We inherited that responsibility. But I'd like to also cover just a couple of the promises that are offered, and there are so many, this is not all-inclusive. Next slide. As children of the living God, believers in Jesus Christ, you are promised eternal life with him. Eternal life with him. It does not start when this flesh and this tent that contains our spirit is no longer here. Eternal life is now. Live in him, abide in him now. His promises to be with him are now. Make no mistake, everybody in this world will have eternal life. It is their decision on who they will spend that eternity with. And as believers in Jesus Christ, you will be with him in the kingdom of God. Also, a promise for his children is he left his Holy Spirit. 
Jesus said, I'm going to leave the great counselor with you. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you. Because he knew that his people, his children, needed the Holy Spirit to live the life that he promised us to live now. And there are so many more promises. But just with those two promises in themselves, isn't it interesting that as children of God, promised eternity with him, we have the power of God living in us through his Holy Spirit. Next slide, please. We still have struggles in his church. We still have major personal struggles that that bleed out into our family, out into our communities. We have marital problems. We have depression. We have anxiety. We have pornography. We have all the problems that the world has, and it's tearing us down. It's breaking us, and God sees the pain that it's causing in our lives. So if we're children of God, promised eternity with him, and have this power within us, How could this be that we have these struggles? I know we have these struggles because I witnessed them in my friends. I witnessed them in my family. I have personally had struggles. So let's find out what the word has to say and why we have these struggles, though we are children of God. John 3.16. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 1 through 6. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Children of the living God because of our faith in Jesus Christ. We are not this. We are spirit. Yet we still have these problems. We have not quite touched on why we have these problems. Next slide, please. Children of the living God, believers in Christ, we are spirit. Paul says to us in Galatians 5, 16 through 25, I say then walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, Jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, 
joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law, and those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. We are children of God, believers in Christ and what he did, living in the Spirit, no longer in the flesh. And I want to point out a very, some very important things in here. It clearly says that, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So if you find yourself, oh my goodness, I, I, I've done one of those things, bam. Don't make it a practice. Don't make it a part of your life. And don't, don't play with God and think, well, if I do it once or twice, is that really practicing? He is not to be messed with in such fashion. And if that's something you did in his past, it's on the cross, and you are free from that. Live in the spirit. Don't even start. Don't let alone make it a practice. So when reading this verse, started being revealed to me, and I came up with a mantra that has worked for me to not only live in the spirit, but walk in the spirit. To walk in the spirit means that we are acting and walking closely with Jesus, closely with the Holy Spirit, as he walked on a tight path, not swaying here and there. So we're in the spirit, and we'll experience the things that you had. Next slide, please. This mantra is, my flesh is a lie. My spirit is alive. Oh, well, Brian, that seems a little harsh. You know, oh, you know, my flesh is a lie? Yes, don't take my word for it. Go to Galatians 6, verses 7 and 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Oftentimes, I have heard people say that they are how they feel. I feel this in my heart, and this is who I am. I feel this in my gut, and this is who I am. I have this feeling. This person on the Internet says it's so, and he has a million followers, and it must be so. If it is contradictory to the word of God and contradictory to the fruits of his Holy Spirit, it's a lie. And I don't know about you, but if there was somebody in my life that told me the truth 15% of the time, maybe, and 85% was lie, I'm going to pretty much think that he's a liar. And I'm not going to take much that he says as truth, and I'm going to research it and look into it. And that's how I've come to look at my flesh because it's misled me. My feelings, my, my thinking, oh, oh this, you know, this must be true because this is how I feel. This is how I was made. Boom. God is my creator. The creator decides what the creation is. The creator decides what the creation does. The creation does not make those decisions. And again, I say to you, next slide, my flesh is a lie, my spirit is alive. 
What I've provided today is a three-step process, a discipline that you can work into your life that will greatly, greatly, greatly help you to not only live in the Spirit, but walk in the Spirit. Again, this is not an all-inclusive list. There are many things that could be added to this that are very beneficial to the believer to live the life that has been promised to us. But it is my belief that if you live these three disciplines out, and as I say, every day, by nature, your spirit will lead you to those other steps that will give you the type of life that will feed the spirit. Step number one, daily pray with fervency. I struggled a bit on which one to put first between number one and number two, and you'll see why when we get to number two. But the reason why I I said we have to daily pray with fervency is because I've come to understand the importance of the Holy Spirit counseling me as I read the Bible, that he would lead me in the truth and help explain to me what I was reading and guide people to me in my life. And it prepared my heart by, by lifting up myself to the Lord and getting my mind in the right reference when I was getting into his words. So James 5.16, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Effective, the ongoing, working prayer. It's ongoing Take some work, a little bit of work. Anything worth attaining takes some work. We know this. We work at it daily, praying for others, praying for our spirit, praying for our relationship with our Father. Fervent prayer. When Jesus went to the cross, he went with fervency. He went with a passion and a burning and an agony in his heart. I look on a world that is, is, is suffering There is so much that sin has caused in our world, so much pain, so much misery in relationships and on every kind of level. And other than just talking about it and other than just making a complaint on social media, am I praying about these things fervently? Am I praying for my family and bringing it to my father every day? Am I praying for my pastor and his family that they'll be protected? Am I praying for all of you that you would be drawn down the path and feel a fire like you've never felt before so that you could live the abundant life that he promised? as you. We must daily pray effectively and fervently, and I promise you, you will see it avail much. Step number two, daily listen to your father. Matthew 22, verse 31. This is Jesus speaking. But concerning the resurrection of the dead, have you not read what was spoken to you by God, saying, Isn't it interesting? Have you not read what it was spoken? Not what you see. It speaks to you. The words will speak to you. It's a living word that goes on. And you may read the same verse a hundred times. And on that hundred and first time, where did that come from? It speaks to you. And it matches with the Holy Spirit. It is so important that every day that you're in the word to hear your father's voice so that this, you recognize his voice. You recognize his vocabulary so that when the world and the flesh starts to talk to you, you know that's not of my father. That's the flesh, and I'm not listening to it. 
His word is true, and his word is what is going to deliver you the fruits of the spirit in your life. And make no mistake, that is what your spirit's craving and your flesh is leading you down a road of lies that promises you other means to experience what only his Holy Spirit can give you. Step number four. I'm sorry, step number three. Daily take up your cross. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. Then he said to them, said to them all, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. To take up your cross daily means that daily we have to crucify this flesh and kill it. It will flare up. It will come up and all of a sudden selfish desires will come your way and they'll lead you down a path that you don't want to go down. They're going to tell you lies. They're going to tell you that you're a loser. They're going to tell you to compare yourself to those people down the street. The flesh is going to tell you to compare yourself to those people you see on social media. The flesh is going to try to keep you down and keep you trying to answer all your questions through it instead of through the Spirit. So daily, when you feel that, pray to, pray to God Almighty that he would take that away from you, that it's dead, it no longer lives in me, I crucify. And you will, on a daily basis, begin to recognize it in your life like this. And all of a sudden, where's this joy? I have a love that I didn't have before. There's peace in me and there's peace in my home. And where I used to be rough and jagged, I'm now kind and I'm gentle. And my faith is growing. Where I used to have a lack of belief, it's growing. And I'm witnessing it in others. And then your life begins to become like Jesus said, that he came to give life and give it more abundantly. That abundance is not fleshly things like money and power and the way you look and the size of your house and the car that you drive and all the things that the world wants to use as a scorecard to say what your worth is. No, he came to give you the fruits of the spirit and more abundance. Those other things he will take care of, but focus on him and he will provide. Again, I say to you, my flesh is a lie and my spirit is alive. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this, for this word that you've given us today. Give me the discipline, give me the strength, and give me the focus to keep the priority of what's important in my life. And do the same for my brothers and sisters. Give me a fervency, an urgency to connect with you daily, to be reminded of what's important in my life. I know that you are the God that changes lives, that shapes us, that molds us, and wants nothing but good for us. You have great plans for us, and I hold on to that. And if there's anybody here today that could not, that at this time just says, I don't think that I'm a child of God because they haven't accepted Jesus Christ in their life. Please put that on them, that they would turn their their life over to Jesus and understand and, and have faith and belief in what he did. And I hold on to that truth, and I praise you, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. When the message had ended, Angel knew those words were for her. And she made the decision to follow the three-step plan to living and walking in the Spirit. I am happy to report Angel's marriage was restored 
after her and her husband learned how to die of self and put their flesh and its selfish desires on the cross, abide in Christ and follow him. Angel found her true purpose in serving God and others, bringing him the glory while helping to build his kingdom. And she has never forgotten or doubted who she is or whose she is. The end. Have a great week.